0: Welcome to The Real Deal on Drugs, a podcast that aims to provide young people with the information they want to know about alcohol and other drugs. Anyone can listen, but it's important to remember that what is being talked about is done so with young people in mind. For those who have heard me at schools, you may hear some of the same material that I've talked about before, but here I've got the opportunity to discuss some topics I don't usually cover in those visits. If you have friends from other schools who have not heard me, you can now share this podcast with them. The most interesting thing about the area I work in is that it is constantly changing. Sometimes, completely new substances appear on the scene that we have never seen before, and we have to try to learn about them as quickly as possible. Other drugs have been around for years, and there are periods of time when they are very popular, and then they suddenly almost disappear. We're now in a very interesting period, when a number of illegal drugs are starting to be used for medicinal purposes, that is, they have been found to be useful to treat certain medical conditions for some people. The most obvious of these is cannabis, which I discussed in a previous episode. But we've also seen increasing interest in some hallucinogens, particularly psilocybin, which is found in magic mushrooms, being used to treat anxiety, MDMA, the drug people are after when they take ecstasy, is now being used in controlled settings with trained counsellors and found to be an effective treatment for some who have post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSD. The challenge for me when I speak to teens is to try to get them to understand that even though it looks like these drugs can be used to potentially treat certain medical conditions in some cases, that doesn't mean that there aren't risks involved. Being given a measured dose of MDMA by a trained counsellor in a medical setting and being guided through a therapy session is very different to taking a couple of caps or pills at a nightclub. Things can go wrong, even under the most controlled circumstances with the strictest of protocols in place. I meet many young people who are concerned about their friends who they believe are either drinking too much or starting to muck around with illegal drugs and are beginning to worry that they could be developing a problem. Now, if you're thinking that these are all a bunch of really straight-laced non-drinkers or anti-drug students who've never done a thing wrong in their life, you'd be wrong. There have been many times when I've had a group of young women who are very clearly the party people of their year group approach me to tell me that they're worried about someone in their group. Usually, it's got to a point where their friend is now getting really drunk every weekend, and not only are they sick and tired of looking after them all the time, they're really scared that something bad is going to happen if the behaviour continues. Of course, there are others who've never taken an illegal drug in their life, and most likely never will, who find out a friend has taken a pill or a cap and are terrified about what could happen. They want to know what they can do or say to stop them from ever doing it again. Most importantly, if you believe a friend is at risk of serious harm, whether it be physically, mentally, or socially, it is vital that you tell someone as soon as possible. Of course, sharing your concern with another friend is important, but when someone's life is at risk, you must tell a trusted adult. I know that this may mean that you are breaking trust and your friendship may be affected, possibly forever, but when it comes to saving a friend's life, these concerns need to be put to one side. I can guarantee you that if you say nothing and something happens, you will never forgive yourself. If you believe your friend is not at risk, you're just worried about their behavior and the impact it's having on your relationship, just tell them how you feel. Sometimes, simply expressing concern about a friend's drug use can make the person look at what they're doing a little more closely and, as a result, make changes. Whatever you choose to do, it needs to be well thought out and planned. Whether or not the friend takes the advice and the offer of friendship, that's completely their decision. And it's impossible to control how they will respond. You may feel as though you are being a bad friend if you don't succeed in getting them to change their behavior or worried that if your friend continues to use, there may be tragic consequences. Always remember that you are not responsible for what your friend chooses to do. It's ultimately up to them. You can't do that for them. As harsh as it may sound, the reality is that no matter what you may say or do to encourage someone to stop using drugs or seek professional help, sometimes it just isn't going to happen. In some cases, friendships are broken as a result. It can be hard for teens to get this, but as we get older, the people we hang out with change as our interests change. People drift apart. If one of your friends starts to hang out with a group that smokes cannabis and you're not interested in doing that, it's likely that over time that friendship is likely to break down. It can be difficult, no one likes change, but that's life. Once again, if for one second you believe someone you care about is at risk of serious harm, you don't wait, you tell someone quickly. No one wants to lose a friend because they simply didn't say something. In this episode, I'm going to talk about a product that has been around for a while, but for some reason seems to have recently made a bit of a comeback amongst some young people, and that is amyl nitrite. Now, that may not mean anything to most of you, but when I say that it's better known as jungle juice, I'm sure there will be some of you who may have heard of it. Now, this is one of those drugs that I'll talk about in this podcast series that many of you will know nothing about and will never come into contact with. It's not used by large numbers of young people, but for some reason, it's something that I get asked about a lot. As I said in a previous episode, vaping is number one, then comes nanging, and then close behind is jungle juice. The strangest and most worrying thing about the questions I get asked on this topic is that they usually begin with something like, my friends and I are using jungle juice at parties, what is it? Now that's a pretty scary question. I hope that whatever decisions you make in your life, whether it be to jump out of a plane, climb a mountain, or decide to use a drug or not, the first thing you would do is a little bit of research and find out something about it. To use a drug and then ask questions about it afterwards is not a good idea and potentially far more risky. Jungle juice is one of the brand or product names for a group of drugs known as nitrites and usually refers to one in particular, amyl nitrite. Jungle juice, like all nitrites, is classified as an inhalant. This means it is a product that is sniffed or inhaled through the mouth or nose to get a high. Amyl nitrite, or amyl as it is often called, is a liquid that is clear or yellowish in colour. It has a very unique smell that is sometimes described as dirty sops. It is highly volatile, meaning that when it is exposed to the air, it evaporates almost immediately at room temperature. For a long time, nitrites were called poppers by people who used them. They were called that because when they were first available, they came in small glass ampules that were opened by crushing them between the fingers, resulting in a popping sound. That name is still used by some, but it appears that most young users are far more likely to use the product name now. The most likely to be Jungle Juice. There are a range of others like Rush, Bolt or Bang. But as far as I can tell, Jungle Juice appears to be the most popular brand at the moment. Interestingly, if you go online, Jungle Juice is usually sold as a leather cleaner. This is not unusual as over the years, in order to bypass legal restrictions that were around at that time, nitrates have been sold as such things as liquid incense or room odorizer. It is bought in small glass bottles and is commonly used by holding an open bottle close to the nose and inhaling the vapour. Amyl nitrite is light sensitive so the bottles it is purchased in are usually dark coloured or covered to protect their contents. Nitrites act as a vasodilator. That means they dilate or widen blood vessels. When someone inhales the drug, it causes more blood to enter the brain, and this results in their body temperature increasing, dizziness, a feeling of excitement, and most importantly, an intense head rush, or as one young man described it in a question he sent me, a brain burst. Some people also report they get a sense of well-being and euphoria, although this is not always the case. The effects are very short-acting, however, lasting at the very most a couple of minutes, but much shorter for others, sometimes only around 30 seconds. It's been used since the 1970s in nightclubs and inhaled or snorted, as some people say, to make the lights and music in those environments appear more intense. It's also used to enhance sex, and for a long time, before the internet, those who use this drug would usually buy it in sex shops. In addition to the effects that people are after, inhaling nitrites can also cause nausea, nosebleeds, slowed down breathing, and blurred vision. However, the main reason that most young people don't regularly use these products is because of one particularly unpleasant after effect, and that is they wake up the next day with a pounding headache. In fact, I've received a number of messages from teens wanting to know whether they suffered some kind of brain damage after using jungle juice the night before, because their headache was so full on and had given them quite a scare. This effect is likely to be caused by the fact that the drug dilated the blood vessels in the brain, leading to greater pressure, and as a result, a headache. This can happen after taking just one big snort, but it's far more likely if you inhale amyl regularly through the night. Even the manufacturers of these products warn that if you're using or used other drugs at the same time, including drinking alcohol, you're more likely to experience this very nasty effect. Never forget, when you use one drug by itself, there are risks. Adding more to the mix doesn't necessarily mean you'll have double the fun, but it certainly means you increase the risk of something going wrong. Amyl can cause burns if it spills onto the skin, and if the liquid's inhaled over and over again, it is possible for the skin to become irritated. Sores and scabs, usually yellow in colour, can develop on and around the nose or on the lips if you inhale the drug through the mouth. This is due to the vapours being quite caustic. These scabs are not necessarily dangerous, but they don't look great and if not looked after appropriately, can get infected. Most importantly, amyl nitrite or jungle juice or whatever brand name this product may have must never be drunk. Drinking this liquid can result in death. If you drink it rather than inhaling it, a molecule called methemoglobin can be formed. This can interfere with the blood's ability to transport oxygen and can lead to death. Most people, of course, don't intentionally drink jungle juice, but it can be accidentally swallowed. Also, leaving bottles of this product around where others may find them can have tragic consequences. Most people who see a liquid would think that it is to be drunk, not many would think that it was there to be inhaled. In the past year or so, there have been rumours of people going blind, or at the very least losing their vision after using jungle juice. I've been asked about this a number of times. One of the negative side effects reported by people who use this drug is blurred vision, but I'd never heard of blindness. When I looked into this, there are reports of a rare risk of a loss of vision when inhaling nitrites. And this is most commonly associated with the use of isopropyl nitrite, one of the nitrite family. Some countries, including the UK, have recently banned certain products. And as a result, manufacturers began to tweak what they were making to bypass the new laws. This resulted in potentially more dangerous substances being sold. It appears that isopropyl nitrite is toxic to a part of the eye right in the middle of the retina, and this can cause blurriness or blind spots starting within hours or days after use. Even though studies have found that most people fully recovered after they stopped using the product, some continued to experience issues with their vision months later. As far as we know, jungle juice contains amyl nitrite, which is not associated with this problem, but realistically, you never really know what you're buying. Although these products can seem like a bit of harmless fun and a way to get a quick head rush, they can be dangerous if people are not totally aware of what they're doing. The most important thing to note when it comes to potential risks, however, is that if jungle juice and similar products are swallowed, they can lead to unconsciousness or even death. But when it really comes down to it, though, Maybe the idea of inhaling something being sold as a leather cleaner isn't that great an idea anyway. Well, that's the end of another episode. As always, I'd love to get your feedback on what you've heard and whether you found it helpful. If you did, and you think someone you know may be interested in listening, make sure you share the podcast with them. If you have a question or on anything to do with alcohol and other drugs, send it to me by email and I'll do my very best to get it on a future episode of The Real Deal on Drugs. Thanks for listening, and stay safe.